it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not and, uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This is a crowd podcast. Hello, I'm Geraint Thomas. And I'm Tom Fordyce. And you've just entered the Geraint Thomas Cycling Club, brought to you by Zwift. Jump on your Zwift Hub One and jump into Zwift. Welcome along. Tom, how are you doing? Good to see you, G. What's been going on? It's been getting darker in the UK. We're getting towards the time of the year where if you want to get out on your bike, you've got to be organised. You can't be messing around. You can't be thinking, yeah, I might go out later. Got to get yourself out of bed, get your breakfast down here, kit on, get out the door. Yeah, I feel that. I'm like that all year round, to be honest. Like, I don't get out on the bike within sort of two hours of waking up, no matter what time it is, I'll struggle. And then if it's after midday, I'm pretty much guaranteed to not go out if I'm at home. If you travel, you can kind of do it. But yeah, if I'm just in the house, like, you know, faffing around, doing other stuff and yeah, I struggle to, to get out in the afternoons, but um, luckily I've not really had to think about that, Tom, at the minute. I've been, um, well, I haven't touched the bike. I've had a good bit of time off. Um, not going to lie, it's been pretty heavy. It's been a lot of meeting up with mates and family and dinners and booze, obviously. But it's been great. It's, uh, but I am looking forward to getting uh, back to a bit of structure and a bit of healthy eating now, to be honest. Well, there are a couple of big things that we need to tick off, which I don't know how healthy they will be. And that is, remarkably, our first ever proper live shows are now less than a week away. Does this make you A, excited, B, scared, or C, excited, scared? Whatever combination of excited and scared is. Scared. <laughs> scared. Um, I'm not scared at all at the minute, but I don't know if that's, that's probably a bad thing. I think the teeth. Steve Peters always used to say, no, a bit of nerves are good, you know? It means you're ready for fight or flight and all that jazz, you know? And you care about it. But I do care about it, don't get me wrong, but I'm pretty chilled at the minute. I think I think once we walk out on stage and I realise, you know, how many people are actually there, I'll be like, oh, yeah, this is... Um, I'm definitely going to make sure I haven't drunk, though, because, oh, you know, when you've had a drink, it's hard to actually think, you know, and speak like 
as I'm struggling now, I can't really say what I want to say. You know what I mean? You're just a bit like, ugh. Um, so yeah, um, but no, I'm looking forward to it. I think we've got, um, yeah, we've, I think it's going to be a, a exciting, different, interesting show. It feels like a week of excitement in that case, because not only do we have the live show uh, and we get the chance, hopefully there, to meet a lot of our fellow GTCC members who we haven't met in person before. So that's going to be a really nice part of it. But also your latest book is now in the shops. Yeah, that's a strange one as well. It's like when you get a keys to a house for the first time, it's a similar thing. It's a bit like because the process is long and arduous it's joyful as well at times exciting but it's it's a lot of hard work that goes into it, it and so to see the actual book in the flesh um yeah it's it's nice it's an achievement in it i think more of an achievement for you i think you get <laughs> a bit more grafting than myself but you know it takes it takes two to tango and all that but um no it's been uh it's been great to do i never in a million years did i think i'd have one book let alone Oh, this is the fourth round books. But yeah, it's um, exciting times. I always find when we do a book together, there is a point where I know absolutely every single word and I know every single word in the right order. Because we've gone through it, we've checked every sentence, we've finessed it, we've tickled it, we've buffed it. Then you have a look at various covers. So you really, really know the book very, very well. But then you get the copy in your hands for the first time and you look at it and it says, Great Rides According to G. And it's almost like it's a stranger book. It only really comes to life when you hold that copy, particularly a book like this that looks really nice and it's got some super cool illustrations that someone much more talented than you and I have done. Then it actually comes to life in your hands. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And um, and for me, it's something you you think about, you talk about, and you, you know, basically as it works or as we do it anyway, I'm guessing this is how it normally works, but we chat every chapter through. You write it up, send it to me. I take the long words out. I don't know what they mean. And, you know, add in a couple of bits here and there, take the odd bit out. And then you obviously again polish that up. And then it goes to the publishers. And then suddenly, even though you've spent a lot of time on it, well, me anyway, my memory's pretty bad. Four months later, it's like, oh, yeah, I remember actually writing that. <laughs> and, um, it is just weird, as you say, seeing it there, isn't it? And it's printed then. You, there's no changing well, it. Too late. no going back. So, um, yeah. So, it'd be quite interesting if I read my first book again, actually, to see if... Because that was like 2015, wasn't it? It was. In fact, it came out just as the World Cup, the Rugby World Cup was starting. So, it was pretty much this time of year minus a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, eight years ago. So, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see if I'd still say the same thing or you know can see how I sort of would have changed in certain ways I don't know but so yeah anyway that's out now so uh, yeah looking forward to seeing how that goes yeah I reckon if you look back at your first book it's a bit like when you listen to the first track or the first album from a favourite musician and then you see them develop as a musician they do different things different sounds you might look back at your first book and think yeah I really like it but you know maybe it was a little bit simple and here I am writing something far more deep and interesting. I don't know. Anyway, talking about deep and interesting, you have been on fire with our guests so far this series. And today's, even though I'm not entirely convinced you can remember the correct order of the words in her surname, was another cracker. Yeah, it was really good. Enjoyed the chat. Obviously, um, it's tough for like people whose English is their second language. You kind of forget that it is their second language until 
well, yeah, you realize they're French or Italian. Um, but no, it was good. It was good to speak to her. I knew she'd be good. And um, yeah, enjoyed the chat. Right. Let's say bonjour to Pauline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Today's guest, Tom, I think has won the most world titles yet that we've ever had on as a guest. She's won 12 world titles across road, mountain bike, cyclocross and gravel. And in 2022, she won four in one year in all the disciplines I just mentioned. Um, it's throwing me off a bit when I read this because you know when you see an X and a C and a C and an X, I'm like, mm. why is that? So <laughs> cyclocross and cross country, right? Yeah. She's the first female to race for the Ineos Grenadiers, so it's my teammate. And massive pleasure to welcome to the GTCC, Pauline Ferron Pavot. Did I say that right? Ouais, très bien. Hello. Ah. <laughs> Merci beaucoup. So we do it, we I... do it in French then, Gino? Uh, I can say thank you. <laughs> Listen, listen to the panic in his voice, Pauline. Yeah. <laughs> I got a few words, that's about it. But um, I always struggle to say your name though, because I always just say Pauline, but Ferron Prévost, is that yes. right? Ferron Prévost. 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 Mm. Okay, sound. Nailed it. Ferron Prévost. Prévost. <laughs> Ferron Prévost, yeah. Thanks for, thanks for coming on. Are you feeling better now? You've just had a big uh, bout of COVID, yeah. haven't you? yeah. I was uh, almost dying, really. Like, it's now almost three weeks I got COVID. And uh, since maybe two days, you know, I can be like quite normal again. But I had uh, three weeks like terrible, you know, sleeping all day long and yeah, just, uh, yeah, doing nothing. Yeah. That's mad, isn't it? Because you kind of forget about it now. You kind of think, oh, yeah, that's that's gone and whatever. But you know the worst? Maybe I've had the it. The worst thing it I got uh, from my boss, from Carsten. Oh, no. Yes. So at the, at the Olympic test event, he was a bit sick and, uh, yeah, he had COVID. And, yeah, we think uh, he gave me uh, this shit. 
bloody hell casting yeah yeah <laughs> bloody hell like i reckon i've probably had that like it's nothing to do with looking after max for a few days on my own mm. i think i've got covid i'm absolutely nailed no no it's uh yeah i think some people uh, don't feel anything but i was proper sick and yeah really Mm. Just missed also to defend my world title in gravel, so it was not uh, not really the best time I had. Yeah, well, good to see you back anyway. Yeah. Looking good, fresh face, nice microphone in front of you, which you borrowed, borrowed from your partner, Dylan, our, our podcasting rival <laughs> over in the Netherlands. But, uh, you know, you're looking the part. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's nice to, to be with you guys. Thank you for that. I don't know what we will speak about, but... Neither do I, to be honest. I just go off Tom. Tom's a pro. We just talk around Tom, don't we, Tom? Do you, do you think it's fair to say, G, that we helped launch Dylan's podcast career because he's a former guest on the GTCC as well? That's true, actually, yeah. Dylan and Wout, they both came on and they both got the bug and they thought, wow, this is this is a nice new world. I think we made it look easy. That's what we did, didn't we? And yeah. they thought anyone can do this if G and Tom can do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. How is Dylan anyway? Because you, um, well, yeah, you, you've been together a while now. You give us a few um, inside tips into Jumbo, don't you? Um, every so every so often, like, guys, guys, look at this, look at this. She gives us all the info, Tom. How much yes. money do you have for me, G? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, uh, no, it's it's going well in Jumbo, I think. He's happy and, yeah, he did a great season, so I guess hmm. it's good for him to, yeah, to change and... Yeah, fair play. He never looks really happy because he is Dutch, but I mean, you know, <laughs> this is normal. Do you train together? Uh, no, we don't train together because, um, yeah, it's not good for him to wait for me. It's not good for me to, to go full gas training. So it's mm. better also to, you know, sometimes to, to split a bit and to do the own things and yeah. We can have a nice time together outside a bike, so it's it's okay. That's the most important, yeah. Because I always see Pog training with um, what's his girlfriend called? Oska or uh, something? Oska, right? Oska Zigart. Oska, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I don't know how how she can do that. You know, maybe he's training super mm. slow, but also Dylan is training quite fast. So yeah, I don't want to break myself. You know, trying to follow him. So <laughs> yeah. So, Pauline, when we're talking now, it's autumn 2023. Mm. There's a rather big event in Paris next summer. Is that where your head is? Is that where everything is focused at the moment? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Since uh, Tokyo's Olympics, you know, I am, I'm really looking forward to, to this event in my own uh, country. So, yeah, it's also why I, I stand with Ineos, you know, just to to try to be a better athlete and to yeah to be the best as possible for this uh, Olympics. So for sure, I'm already focused and uh, yeah, and I really can't wait to be the uh, 28th of July next year. Wow, so you know the date. So G, you've got experience of preparing for home Olympics because you were in the Team GB Team Pursuit Quartet in 2012. Mm. How were you feeling at this point in 2011? Um. Well, I was probably hung over and getting <laughs> fat on beers, to be honest, after hard road season. But um, no, it was um, it was certainly exciting. The same as Pauline's feeling now, you know, home Olympics is once in a lifetime mm. um, or even more sparse than that, isn't it? It's like, yeah, 
when was the what, Olympics before that in London? Like, 1948. There you go. Yeah, a long oh. time. So it's um yeah, it's massive, and I was, I really enjoyed it because we were actually based in Manchester. So um, whenever we were out training on in the Cheshire lanes and stuff, there was always like houses decorated, and this was obviously a lot closer to Olympics than than November before, but. Yeah, you just felt the buzz. You know, every program on TV has something to do with the Olympics. It's always in the news. And I was at the age where I was actually able to enjoy it a bit as well and not see it as this big, you know, big thing towering over you. Like, it's, it's um, you know, like feeling the pressure and stuff. Mm-hmm. It was more just enjoying it and embracing it almost. And I think um, I was lucky in that way. If it would be my first one, it might have been different. You might have been a bit more, oh, shit, this is like, massive like how are we going to cope with this everyone's cheering us on what if we let them down etc etc um so having that experience before was definitely good um you know pauline now um experienced will be able to deal with that as well and i think it's just good to just embrace it really soak it all up um will you be staying in the village uh no no we will be outside yeah Hmm. and like you say you know i have the feeling this uh paris olympic are for me at the good moment of my career because i have now quite a lot of experience you know also with the the olympics will be my fourth uh, time doing olympics so oh really yeah and i i can feel now i'm ready you know and it's good because i will be ready at home so um, yeah i mean if you have to win one time olympics it has to be at home so yeah yeah. (laughs) so what's what's your experience from the olympics prior then obviously so london was the first yeah london i did rio and tokyo and yeah every time i was a big favorite but yeah because of the pressure you know because of everything it's it's too much you know about olympics like you say you you want to watch tv and it's full gas about olympics and Mm. and yeah for me i don't really like that and i was not uh, prepared for that so um, yeah i think now i'm i'm a bit more like uh, aware of everything and uh, i'm just ready i think to to handle the pressure and yeah i feel like you two need to have a sort of a a mutual debrief about the olympics in 2016 (laughs) and in 2021 Mm. because you both went in there with great expectations and it didn't quite work out perfectly for either of you did it so 2016 Gee, uh, you're looking really good in the road race until the final descent of that horrible, treacherous mountain. A final corner of the descent. It yeah. was just basically the last corner of the pissing race. 10k to go, pretty much flat after that. And Micah was maybe 10 seconds in front. And then I was with Menkes, I think it was. And then there's a group behind us and for sure was on for a medal, you know. And then to crash out there, the last corner, just... I just got too carried away, just went a bit too quick thinking, well, this is on, I can actually, you know, win an Olympic gold here and went Mm -hmm. a bit too quick. The road was a bit uneven, back wheel skipped out, ended up in a storm drain. I think um, previous guest we've had on, what's her name, Tom? Um, She crashed on the same corner. Yeah. Oh, mate, one of the Dutch girls, was it Van Vluten or? Yeah, Anamik. Van der Breggen. Anamik crashed, yeah. Yeah, so it was the same corner, Anamik crashed. Oh, so yeah, that that was the worst. That's probably the one race, Tom. Thanks for bringing this up. That still sort of bugs me whenever I think about it. <laughs> you know, because as a bike rider, you win, you lose a lot more than you win, don't you? But this one was one where it was like, really feels like the one that got away, which I was like, balls. Like, ah, oh, so yeah, thanks, Tom. I'm going to write down now. 
Well, let's let's complete. And uh, um, Pauline, you tell us what happened to you in 2016 because you had that amazing year a couple of years before. And as you say, mm-hmm. when when you win, it's a great thing, but it brings a certain amount of pressure as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and you know you can't lose. You know because like you are the big favorite, so uh, it was just a bit too much for me. And I had this problem, you know, with my uh, artery. So yeah, we didn't really know what I had at this moment, but I was like really struggling to to be myself and um, yeah, to be in good shape. So so you couldn't put much power through the pedals. Yeah, that was the issue. Exactly. Was it? Yeah, yeah. On the left leg, and it took like few years to to figure out what I had, and yeah, finally I had this problem with my artery, and yeah, it was a, not a super good period, you know, because. When you are injured and you don't know what you have and everyone is telling you that it's, it's uh, in your head and you just have to, to keep training and racing with that, it was not the best uh, time. Did they get the diagnosis wrong as well? Did Because I remember the stories at the time were that you had sciatica. Well, it, it took like three years, I think, to yeah, to find out. and uh, That's mad, isn't it? Yeah, it was super long. <laughs> Is this where the artery basically has like a kink in it or something in your hip? Yeah, like, in yeah it? exactly. Yeah. Right, yeah, But mine was like quite, uh, yeah, it was hard to to discover. And yeah, I had the first surgery in 2019 and uh, it came back one year later. So I had uh, three, two times the surgery in this uh, artery. So yeah, it was not a, an easy period. And also because, you know, I won everything in the... Uh, 2014 and I was uh, like yeah just winning everything and after that you you struggle for a few years and you you maybe think that you are done you know I was at the end I was like saying to myself okay maybe I did too much training and I'm just fucked and yeah my career Mm -hmm. is uh, over you know so um, when they discovered that it was like for me like um, yeah a new beginning and new, new start can imagine big relief as well like really mm-hmm. yeah and then what about tokyo because again you went into that mountain bike race and a lot of people fancied you for that pauline and then look you do a lot of prep for olympics don't you you train for different scenarios mm-hmm. and you pretty much know what the weather's going to be like in tokyo in the summer and then yeah. the weather just changes and rather than riding in the dry as you've planned and you've got the tires and you bike for it smashes it down you know, it was it was crazy. Now when I think back, it's like, yeah, how you can do that mistake, you know? So we trained because we, we knew that Tokyo will be like uh, dry and uh, quite humid, you know, but still dry on the ground. And uh, yeah, the day before the race, it was like pouring rain and a big storm and it was not, not the same lap anymore. It was super, super muddy. And yeah, I never in my head, I never imagined, uh, you know, it could be raining like I don't know why but for me it was a uh, okay dry uh, tires and we stay like this I was not ready for that also mentally and when we had to change the tires before the race and yeah the first lap was just like a big mess for me so um, I think I was in super good shape and but because the condition changed I was not able to to make it so yeah I crashed I had puncture and my uh, Olympic dream uh, was done. Well, I'm sure next year 
that's the uh, third time lucky well fourth time lucky but yeah. <laughs> put it put it right put it right and, and Tom enough of this negativity mate let's let's get a bit upbeat oh, for sure. it's getting out of the way yes. yeah. so, sorry <laughs> I spent uh, three weeks in my bed so I'm quite depressed now <laughs> <laughs> but go and see world titles quickly can you just sorry this is a bit ignorant of me but can you educate me on short cross marathon and cross country yeah there are three different disciplines in mountain biking, right? Yeah, yeah, it's quite uh, different. Yeah, short race is like twenty minutes uh, racing. Uh, cross. But on the same circuit as. No, it's a small. A uh, it's a small circuit. Yeah, like right. uh, it's it's not that technical, you know. It's like uh, quite fast, so um, it's also a bit tactical. So it's it's uh, why uh, road racing also helped me, you know, because some mm. some girls are just like keep pushing for uh, at the front for twenty minutes, but they forgot that. It's also like a win and, you know, like, yeah, it's, but it's, it's cool. It's quite uh, intense and uh, a bit stressful, but yeah, I really like it. And uh, yeah, cross country is like an hour and a half. So it's uh, uphill, downhill. So um, it's also good because you have to be like a, quite a complete uh, rider. And this is kind of what you do in the Olympics exactly. and stuff, right? Yes. That's the normal yeah, one. Normal so one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And a marathon is like, yeah, it's longer. It's like four hours of racing and it's not so technical. It's more like a, not a road race, but like, a, yeah, a bit longer. And it's not, not super fun, to be honest. <laughs> Only if you win. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So how, how has your training changed now, Pauline? Because as G says, you're, you're heading towards your fourth Olympics. What stuff have you learned? What stuff are you doing differently this winter in the last couple of years? Um, yeah, not a lot as a change. I change a coach and yeah, team and bikes, everything. But in terms of training, you know, I'm now 31 years old. So I just think I, I know myself super well. And uh yeah, why I should change something when it's working, you know? So we try to fit a few things uh, with a team, you know, about nutrition, about like, uh, yeah, quite a lot of things. And yeah, we we kept what works. And yeah, if something doesn't work, we just say, okay, it's not for me. And um, yeah, it's a good thing because I know myself and I know what is good or not good. So um, at the end, I can make decision about this. And what about road racing? Because you don't race on the road, well, this year, obviously, because, well, with Ineos, it's just you, mm -hmm. which is, yeah, you can't do a road race with just one rider. So do you miss that or? Um, yeah, I miss it. Uh, also, because now it's like to the fans uh, for women. So, I mean, yeah, I would like to try one, one day to one year to do like to the fans. Because yeah, it's mm. also in my own country, you know, and so um, yeah. For at the moment, I'm really focused uh, with the Olympics, but uh, yeah, why not uh, next year or the year after to to come back on the road? I would like that. Mm. Mm. If you weren't if you weren't doing it for a living, Pauline, if you just woke up one morning and you wanted to go out on your bike, and you've got a choice of different bikes, you got a road bike there, and you've got your mountain bike, and you've got a cross bike or a gravel bike, which one would you pick up? Like, which one motivates you most? Which is the most fun? Oh, it depends on the day, you know. Also, when it's raining, it's good to go MTB because, yeah, you just don't mind about going with uh, under the rain. So, I mean, I like everything, you know. I like to 
to take my road bike and to ride last time for uh, five hours and i also like to to go on mtb to do like two hours with the technical training so i think you know i really like cycling in general and i like to to change also i don't like when it's boring and you have to do every day the same things so um, yeah it depends on, on the day yeah and track you've never done track never no uh, this oh, is must strange, be super yeah. boring no to turn like uh, in circle and <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, if you do a few bunch races, they're good fun. But yeah, the training can be pretty um, repetitive. And yeah. you, you want to do more track or? No, no. <laughs> like, He's done, look at that face. He's done. Yeah, definitely not. I enjoy the race inside, but yeah, I do not miss the training and the yards you got to put in to okay. do that. You know, the months in Manchester. Nothing wrong with Manchester, a great place, but <laughs> the riding around the velodrome there day after day. Oh, it's, it's tough, like, yeah. So maybe you can try uh, MTB then, G, no? I, I did it once as a junior. Well, maybe I was even under 16. And um, I did half a lap out of puncher and hmm. walked home. That was it, yeah. <laughs> nice. And they didn't go back. But we camped and we cooked sausages and we had a great time. I had a couple of beers. But, yeah, that's the one thing I like about mountain biking and stuff, though. It's a lot more chilled, isn't it, compared to the road. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know how you feel about it. Like, obviously, when you get to the Olympics, it's quite intense. But in general, the mountain bike crowd compared to the road crowd, it's a big difference. Yeah, everything is uh, is different, yeah. But you know that we will do an MTB race with Dylan in November? We will go oh, to we will go to Curacao and we will do this uh, MTB race together. So, Click his head in for me, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if uh, after that we still be together, but yeah, I think <laughs> don't it's, wait for him. It's a good don't uh, wait for him. It's a good test, no? As a couple, <laughs> <laughs> it's the ultimate test. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Pauline, there's something that Goen always talks to me about over the course of the year, but particularly at the time of year that we're talking, which is his off-season. And that is the diet he has to stick to. And I hear how hard it can be, how hard it can be when you're having to deny yourself all the things you'd like to eat. So if that's tough for a male rider, I assume it's even harder for a female rider because there are so many assumptions about the weight that a rider should be. And sometimes... I suppose if you lose a little bit of weight, it can make you quicker in the short term. Mm -hmm. How has that been for you in the course of your career? Well, I struggle a lot with that. Yeah, I think it's good to speak about it because it's like something really like quite uh, people are not maybe aware. Of. But for me, yeah, for sure, it was uh, when I was Flesh Vallon and uh, these uh, three uh, world titles, I was like super, super skinny, you know. For one year, I was, uh, I was 48 kilos. And um, 48. Yeah. This year wow. at Worlds, I was uh, 52. And I was uh, already quite uh, skinny this year. But I mean, after that, in your head, you know, it's like, okay, I have to be skinny if I want to perform. And this is super dangerous because I think you can perform one year, two years. And after that, you completely crack yourself, you know. And um, you start to be like sick and a bit depressed. And so, yeah, I think when we speak, you know, earlier about this uh, 2016 season, it was for sure the injury I had, but also I think I was just paying the price of what I did a few years uh, earlier and with eating and everything. And 
what saved me, you know, I think I like eating in general. I like everything and I'm like, I like to live, you know, to, to drink, to, to have party. And I think it's you definitely like a drink. <laughs> I, 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 I saw that. Sorry to jump in. Yeah. No, Oh. I don't think it was me. Oh, it was definitely you. <laughs> you, you were holding me up. No, but you were you... picking me up around the dance floor. I was like, blimey, Charlie. Uh, I don't think it was me. Do you remember? Me. No. And you? <laughs> no, but I think, yeah. you know, I, because I love to, I like to live and I like to, yeah, just, I think, you know, it's uh, with the food, you can bring people together and have a nice time. And, and, um, yeah, I don't know why I say that, but. Yeah, after that, I uh, I realized that, yeah, I have to, to stay in one weight, you know, like 52 kilos. I know that I can be, I can still perform and uh, be also happy in my life. I, I'd say that's a big thing is, you know, if you've had success in the past, like especially when you're a younger rider coming up, generally you're lighter as a younger rider, just physically, your muscles and everything, you know, you're just mm -hmm. a bit, you're not mature and whatever. And the older you get, you know, you develop a bit more, you get bigger muscles, you're more powerful. Mm. And just because you put on a bit of weight, it's easy for younger riders to think, wow, I had a really good year two years ago when I was like in my case, for instance, say, I don't know, 67 kilos. But, oh, I can I get down to 69, like I'm too big, I'm too big. But you could be end up, you could be putting out 20 odd more watts, you know? So it's, it's such an easy, easy to slip into. Yes. But from the outside, it's obvious. And it's just like, you know, yeah, it's not just about being as light as possible because, mm. you know, 20, when was it for me? 2016 in Tour Swiss, so 15 the year before in the Tour, I was fourth going into stage 19. I'd been working for Froomey full gas and I cracked that day, ended up, I sat up completely, went Gruppetto, ended up 15th, but could have been top 10 if I rode my own race. But after that, I was like, oh, I could actually maybe do something in the Tour year, you know, overall. So 2016, the next year, Going into Swiss, I was like, oh, I was 68 last year, high 68. So if I get 67, poah, going to fly. I'll be like podium. Mm. And then turn up a Swiss, it was bad weather as well, which probably didn't help. But I was just useless. Like, I think I was like 11th overall in Swiss and went into the tour and suddenly they, were, I was going to be backup leader, but they were like, nah, just stick to your role from previously, you know, help through me, do your job, blah, blah, blah. And kind of that year was kind of a write-off. And it's so easy to do, but I think as long as you learn from it and you can see it's borderline in it with athletes, pro athletes, you've got to be on the limit, but mm. then also it can be a real issue. Like you've seen it with teammates of mine and in other teams, you know, the weight is like such a big, it's a performance thing, but it's also mentally you can see people, you know, they can struggle with it. Yeah, like you say, also, it's, yeah, it's endurance sport, so you have to be light, but I think you have to find a good balance, you know, mm. and I don't think you can be light all year long. So now also I try to pick up one, two events. I want to be like uh, light and I, I try to focus on that two events. And after that, you know, I just, you know, like do normal again. And now yeah. I'm, I'm maybe like five kilos like heavier than at the world, but I don't care, you know, and I know it's not the moment to be skinny or whatever. So I just want yeah, to have you... a, a good winter and to train good. And after that, I will, uh, it will come to, to lose some weight, but yeah, I mean, it's not. Uh, exactly. That's, mm. I was going to say, that's the main thing, you know, you can get back down to it because yeah. it's just body types as well. You look at someone like Adam Yates, a previous teammate of mine. 
he'd fluctuate two kilos maybe from his biggest to his lightest. Really? Or someone like, yeah, yeah. It's just, mm. he just doesn't put a weight on. You know, he still has a good time. He drinks plenty of wine and, you know, he just, he switches off. But he's just one of those people that doesn't really put weight on. Um, mm. Although he did run a marathon in his off season. So, you know, maybe he was running yeah. quite a lot. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, for me, I, yeah, easily five, maybe more, seven kilos, you know, mm. in the winter. But then, you know, as soon as you start back, boom, like it's, you're three kilos off, you know, yeah. after riding for a month. And then, yeah, it's always hard, that last bit. But you you get the same with cyclocross, don't you, Tom? Now in your 50 to 55 category. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, weight is less an issue at, at my level, Pauline. <laughs> but I, I wonder if it's not just the absolutes with weight, it's, it's how quickly you shed that weight. So if you, let's say you do want to lose two kilograms, it must be quite different losing two kilograms over, I don't know, three months, four months, than it is trying to shed two kilograms in a month or two weeks or three weeks. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, this year I was like more consistent all the season. I was like maybe, yeah, 54 kilograms and the last uh, months I, I could lose this last uh, two kilos. But um, yeah, also depend of the people, you know, some people can lose like uh, easily and some other can't. So I know I'm a bit extreme, you know, so when I do something, I want to do full gas. So um, I knew the last months before the world, I was like eating less and yeah, training a lot. But at the end, it's also, you know, how it works for me. So um, yeah. Everyone has to find their own way to, to lose weight. And for me, I know that I can stay on this weight like maybe one month. And after that, I can, uh, yeah, do normal. Yeah, it's exactly like me, to be honest. Like you have that real big goal and you're like, right, that's what, that's the target. Do that. And then after that, you're just like, boom, shut down. Hmm. You do, the, the weight comes back on quite quickly, but as you say, it's like, if that's not your natural body weight, like it's going to, isn't it? And there's no point in, in, you know, it's, you've got to be reasonable. It's not like you're just going to drink and eat burgers every day, but you're going to put weight on and it's just dealing with that and knowing that. Um, and talking about the extremes, like I see that I'm definitely in that sort of bracket, I'd say. And then through me, through me is exactly the same. I think like any sort of top athletes are always just, push the limit even when you're feeling good it's like oh do one more effort then mm -hmm. but i think that's that's what's important having a good team around you then a good coach good nutritionist you know who's always who's watching what you're doing um that's the biggest thing that's changed for me like and the team recent years is the nutrition like we used to be low carb and we used to do six hours like three days in a row off an omelet and a couple of propeptides and a salad you know and that's pretty much all we'd eat like but you're your metabolism just obviously goes down. You, you're not, mm. you know, Tim would always say to me, it's like a fire. You got to keep putting wood in the fire to keep it burning, you know, yeah. so especially burning bright, you know, rather than just a little simmer, which we probably did. So yeah, that's the biggest change for me mm -hmm. and the team. Yeah. I also think, you know, we are like uh, winners and we can be ready for like um, one, two, three races in the year and you know we don't want to win all uh, year long and so maybe it's also easier to to lose weight like when you know it's necessary i don't know but i see it like this so also talking about you know nutrition team all this 
you're obviously part of Ineos now. Mm. How has it been good as you expected? Like, well, for for a start, why Ineos? And secondly, yeah, has it been what you thought? Um, I think so. Yeah, why Ineos? Because um, I don't know why. You think they will they will listen to us or not? <laughs> oh, for sure, they <laughs> no. love it. No, I wanted also, you know, a team like uh, I can have my own um, own program, you know, and like being in a big team like this, I can have the support of everyone, but I still can do, you know, can choose my races and can choose also I want to to plan my season and a bit of everything. So um, I, I had a good season so far, so it was a it was a good decision to to come to the team and um, also to learn from Tom. You know, is a yeah. it can look like a, a child Tom sometimes. Pitcock. Yeah, Tom Peacock. <laughs> but I think he's really smart, you know, and really mature when he has to be. So um, yeah, it was a it was a nice year, and um, I think yeah. We just uh, keep the same preparation as the, I did this year to, yeah, to try to be Olympic champion uh, next year. Yeah, nice. I think it could be counterproductive in a way, though, sometimes, couldn't it? With, you know, because you came on the the first camp, I think you did yeah. with the team in um, Mallorca. Mm. You pre- did you end up like nailing yourself a bit there, like training with? No, it was you good. Just did a bit it, much. It was or? good because uh, you know I used to train alone. And it was just good, you know, to to ride with you guys. Um, I mean, endurance training, you know, I was just staying on the wheel and for me it was perfect. So I could do all the endurance block, um, yeah, not alone and in the wheel. So, it, yeah, it was quite good. And, um, yeah, also, like, when you did the training camp in, uh, in Andorra, yeah, we didn't mm-hmm. train together, but... At least to, you know, you have to, you can live with, uh, at what time, you know, with, uh, it was for me really motivating to, to be with you and, uh, yeah, to have some people around also. So, um, what did you think of Andorra? Do you like it? I was quite surprised, you know, because, uh, I used to do a few races there and it was not the best, but yeah, I mean, we had to do a good weather at the end and, uh, no, it was nice, no? Yeah, no, yeah, we did have some good weather. It was the best sort of three weeks I think they had in Andorra. Hmm. But I won't be moving there. It's funny because we had this discussion <laughs> with Dylan and Dylan doesn't like Andorra. So we will definitely not move in Andorra. But for training three weeks, it's it's enough, I think. It's good, no? Yeah, yeah. I think like like I said about having that good team around you as well, I think holding you back, because you, know, you said you're extreme for sure in Mallorca you could have easily done too much when you're training with us in December, you mm. know, but I think having that team around just to hold you back and everything, um, which is a massive benefit, as you say, but it could also be a negative if you just, you know, oh, I know I'll do this with the boys, you know, I'll push on here, yeah. I'll, try, I'll half yeah. wheel swifty, you know. <laughs> also in attitude, <laughs> it was not a good idea to go with you because when it's not yeah, your, altitude, yeah. yeah, when it's not your pace, it's like, oh, not nice in altitude. It's, you can yeah kill yourself easily. So no, Andorra. It was a. I think it was the best training camp I did in my uh, career. You know because it was just about riding and yeah, it was you know easy. You you got massage every day. You have a chef and it's like the good life. No. 
Yeah, exactly. Especially when we go down for dinner for um, Pavel's birthday. Oh, yeah. Remember <laughs> you took... Who did you take in the car? It was um, the Prusky and Timon, maybe. And we get to the restaurant, the Prusky like, hey, man, I come back up with you, huh? I don't go with Pauline. Huh? Yeah, I, I can remember his face. He was like <laughs> white, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah, good old Prusky. He didn't enjoy that ride too much, did he? No? You don't think? I... I don't think so, no. Okay. No. Yeah, maybe... I don't think he... Yeah, he's... You know, he gets seasick. He, you know... I don't know. He, he's not the best traveller anyway, let alone like going fast down a mountain in a car. Mm -hmm. I think he was. He felt a bit vulnerable. But uh, on the back, he's a good uh, Donnell rider. He's all right. He's, he's, he's average, you know. He's, he's not... He doesn't stand out as good or bad. Mm -hmm. He's just, he can hold the wheel and get down. Um, there's a lot lot worse than him. Okay. But then also there's quite a few that are a lot better, but, you know, uh -huh. he can hold his own. Yeah. No, I he, just think... He's a funny guy, huh? <laughs> no? <laughs> yeah. So passionate, oh, guy, yeah. so passionate about cycling, it's, uh, it's nice to see, you know? Mm. When you love what you do, it's like, uh, it's nice. Yeah, but he's like a, a little child sometimes, though, isn't he? He's quite uh, innocent. You know, he sees the good and everything. Like, mate, think uh, about it. This is a Belgium thing, no? <laughs> Maybe, yeah. You know, <laughs> Belgians better than me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. But no, I see. Uh, it was a good camp, though. I think like the the, yeah. the team makes it um, more enjoyable as well. And I guess that's the, as you say, the main thing for you now. You know, mountain biking is a very individual mm -hmm. sport, isn't it? Like you don't really, you have teams, but it's kind of, it's a bit like Formula One where you just, you want to beat your teammate as much as anyone else, you know, in, in the mountain bike teams. Well, no, like you said before, you know, it's much more uh, chill, you know, mm. it's like even sometimes I think they don't really care about racing and yeah, yeah, it's nice, but um, yeah, it's, it's also less professional as on the road. And mm. um, it's why I think it's also good that Ineos can come to MTB, you know, because I think it needs to be more professional. And so maybe they can bring that and it will be good. Mm. Have you used, um, sorry, final question before I let you go. Mm -hmm. Have you used Dave B's camper? Because well, Tom obviously it, had it for Yes, a... yeah. It's not bad, eh? Oh, it's super good, yeah. No, it's super nice. You... Inside, it's like all white. So when you come back after a muddy race or training, it's like, a... <laughs> no, it's it's cool. It's like it's a really Bond. Cool. You know James Bond? Yes. It's like a, one of the villains, isn't it? A mm -hmm. James Bond villains, like pad. Yeah, yeah. I just no, it's... think there's going to be a white, you know, those white cats just sat there, just stroking it, like Dave B at the front. like. Oh, it's a good idea. Don't... Yeah, don't get my camper muddy. Just stroking his cat. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, that is that's that's not a bad bus to get ready for a mountain bike race. Did you sleep in it as well, or is no, it just used? No, as no, a... we don't sleep in it. Um, we just uh, like to change and to have shower mm. and everything. So no, it's uh, it's super good. It's even better than a bus, you know, because it's a bit smaller. Mm. And um, I mean, you know the size, but uh, inside it's like more like uh, to live in it. So it's it's easier to to walk and you also can stretch and do everything so no it's super good yeah perfect well we i've kept you too long we've kept you too long but thanks so much for coming on and i'll um thank you well 
I'll see you on the road. See you in December camp if I don't see you before. Just take it easy on me, okay? I just seen those wines in the background, actually. You know, in the top, just over your shoulder. Oh, yeah. 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 What's the best one there, then? Are they Dylan's or are they, you know, yours, communal, buy? Yeah, Dylan is keeping the bottle, so I have to go to buy. Oh, are they empty? No, 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 but, uh, you know, he's waiting for, uh, I don't know what. (laughs) (laughs) No, but, um, yeah, we see each other in December, then. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, enjoy your riding getting over Merci. covid good to yeah. see you back and uh see you soon thanks for coming okay thank you Oji. bye bye ciao ciao survivor 46 is here and so is on fire the only official survivor podcast and we have a twist this season the winner of survivor 45 d Vyadaris, will be joining us every week we're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments the how and the why things happen and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me a survivor winner listen to on fire the official survivor podcast wherever you get your podcasts This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Gee, do you reckon anyone noticed that I had to leave before the end of that conversation with Pauline because she joined us slightly late and then she was super interesting so we ended up talking for ages and I had to sort of wave at her and then slip out the room. I think you did a pretty good job. I mean, we've talked about this before. You are pretty much ready to fly on your own now. Yeah, I kind of, for your sake, I hope they realised you um, had to duck out because they might have just thought, what a rude host. <laughs> chatting to Pauline for a nice 30 minutes whatever it was and then Tom just doesn't even say bye just leaves it all for G to you know be the nice guy and thanking Pauline for her time etc but um no yeah I think yeah Tom I'm I'm getting stronger at this but I still need a bit of guidance so don't worry I'm not I'm not ruling you out just yet (laughs) well talking about guidance like you and I can chat all day long but the person who makes it happen is producer George and producer George has begun his very own Swift journey in the last week right producer George how are you getting on having been slagged off by one of your hosts at the start of it all? <laughs> yeah oh, well I am up and running um, but definitely in need of guidance I think it's supposed to be cycling by the way mate <laughs> hey thank you dad jokes are out <laughs> I, I have a bit of an admission to make if i'm honest i i joined the gtcc weekly ride on wednesday my first proper zwift session and i made it 30 minutes in before i thought i'm just gonna have to stop it what yeah that's that's bad isn't it on that a social bad. ride well there's nothing social about it <laughs> crikey I, I was in a really nice group and then i got dropped on a climb tried desperately to come back didn't didn't make it back to the group and uh yeah i was like oh i'm just gonna go and have tea (laughs) george has it changed your attitude or like you know if there's some bike riders you think oh he's a soft he's soft he is i don't like him he needs to dig in to change your attitude towards any sort of racing or big time i mean i've i have zwifted 
before a couple of years ago, but I had a really bad setup. Um, so I didn't really get stuck in properly. And now with my new Zwift Hub One, which was so easy to set up and get rolling, I was like, okay, I'm gonna Zwift properly now. Um, and it was still just as hard. Uh, yeah, I, I always say this about you guys, G. It's like when you watch what you do on telly, it looks so easy. To, well, it doesn't look easy, but I think in terms of like the elite sports, people are like, oh yeah, just cycle a bit harder or attack. Why don't you attack? All that sort of nonsense yeah. that you guys get. Yeah. And then, yeah, like I could do 170 watts for 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you're in your house. You're not 30 minutes away from home like in one direction yeah. and then like, oh no, I gotta get an Uber back. <laughs> so, well, let's, let's just aim for small steps and maybe do 45 minutes next week, eh? Well, exactly, exactly. That's my, my goal now is to finish a GTCC ride. I'll be delighted. <laughs> I don't mean to gloat by um, saying I was right, but well, I, I called it, mate. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> Didn't I, Tom? Do you know how nice it is for me not to, not <laughs> to be the worst rider? as part of the GTCC core. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you when you guys had that chat last week, Tom, and you said, oh, you know, maybe George will surprise us. I was thinking, yeah, I'm really not going to surprise anyone here. <laughs> well, George, we shall stay across your Zwift journey. And if you are also beginning your Zwift journey, let us know how you're getting on. All the usual social places would love to follow your journey too. In the meantime, George, good luck. You can beat the 30-minute barrier. G... Next time I see you, we'll be in London at the Cadogan Hall. So, listen, get some rest in. I think you'll probably want a drink when we get there. Looking forward to it, mate. Yeah, I'm going to, yeah, get, get a nice bit of sleep. A couple of beers will be nice, you know, but yeah, nothing too much so that Cardiff is going to suffer for London's exploits, you know what I mean? Yes. So, but that'll be good. Looking forward to it, mate. Nice. See you then. Ciao for now. Network, a place where you belong. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.